HRN has a brand new look, but we're sharing the same delicious stories. Invest in the future of food radio by becoming a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. You're listening to Feast Meets West, the show celebrating Asian cuisine and culture as we have conversations with the passionate people from the world of Asian food. I'm your host, Linda Liu. Eric Tran of Falunsai didn't set out to open a restaurant during a pandemic, but the world works in funny ways. He got a call last year, somewhat out of the blue, from former Falunsai chef and owner Henry Tru. He wanted to hand the restaurant off to someone that would keep the Vietnamese cooking alive in the space. So Eric took a leap of faith and has never looked back since. He now operates the Bushwick restaurant as a reimagined 2.0 version, making his interpretation of delicious Vietnamese dishes with a focus on whole animal butchery and seasonally and locally sourced ingredients. This is Eric's first venture into owning a restaurant and serving the Vietnamese cuisine that is part of his heritage. After working with the amazing teams at Joseph Leonard, Jeffrey's Grocery, and Blue Hill at Stone Barns, just to name a few. Sometimes you can't plan for these major life changes, but you just have to seize the opportunity and go with it. So here's my conversation with Eric. Welcome, Eric. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Hey, Linda. Thanks for having me. Of course. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and what put you on the culinary path? Uh, I grew up in the Chicagoland area, just in the, the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I was born there, first born uh, in my family in the United States. Um, and uh, it was pretty interesting growing up there because uh, being a uh, pretty large city in a very large city, you know, with a very diverse community. Uh, I was uh, uh, something a little different because my, my background is about my father is Vietnamese and my mom is Mexican. So I had a really uh, multicultural background growing up. For sure. I really loved growing up in Chicago because uh, I could, you know, she had a chance to explore uh, my cultures uh, in, a, in a small, in a small scale uh, in Chicago. Um I think it was a big eating city too, so we would always go out to eat and, uh, on the weekends, especially, and go do dim sum uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, it was always like fond memories of eating uh, as a kid, and, and I brought the background of uh, uh, Mexican people and Vietnamese people is very much of a, of a community dining experience and a family dining setting. Uh, that kind of just it's kind of stuck with me in my mind, but I didn't really think about cooking and culinary. Path until I uh, got into uh, high school, and I randomly took a job at a pizza place. So that, that was my intro to to restaurants. You said in high school, I guess that's what um, yeah kids do. Like they, you know, find their first job in a restaurant. Yes, and uh, it, somehow it kind of just it stuck with me. I think the energy uh, was really awesome. I really enjoy uh, being on my feet and working with my hands. Uh, so. Uh, I was a I was a bus boy, and actually my first job was taking just taking the pizza orders. That was my first job. 
and I thought it was cool because there was free pizza at the end of the shift, and a couple of friends of mine worked there. Pretty, pretty simple enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but then uh, you know I kind of just worked my way up, was, and then I was uh, busting tables and, and, and dishwashing, and then moved into like a host food runner positions, and I kind of just tried all the positions, and uh, eventually I was a server first before I even got to cooking. Because um, after food running, usually you can take that route and go to the front mm-hmm. of house and, uh, for a couple of years. And these were like at chain restaurants, right? Like I worked at Joe's Crab Shack <laughs> in high school for a couple of years. Yeah, and uh, I was a server there. And uh, it was like high volume, very corporate, but uh, I had like these like, strict standards. So I learned the job pretty well. And it was pretty good training uh, because it was a corporate environment. Uh, and the money was decent. So when everyone else was working in the malls, uh, making like you know six fifty seven dollars an hour. I was making I was making like seven fifty. Baller. Uh, right, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So that was my uh, that was my very uh, unromantic way of getting into restaurants. Yeah. How did you end up uh, in the kitchen side? Um, so I was working at a place that uh, it was like a pub, like it had a pub, a bar. Flat top grill situation where people would go to the buffet and like they bring your bowl and then you cook their food in a flat top way. And this place uh, had a really neat schedule uh, where they had people that were working uh, as like grillers and, and then other days you would just be in prep. Uh, and this is like your stepping stone to get to serving jobs. So I was trying to get to serving jobs. Like, oh, you gotta start here, but you gotta start. So I didn't really realize it was good at the time. Uh, but I was looking at the temperatures and rotating and different kinds of different kinds of different things and first off all these things. Um the washing vegetables. Uh, I didn't really think of it as a cooking job, but that, that was the beginning of it when I started uh, working in that hot flat top grill it was a lot of fun. Like a lot of fun. It was not quite any high steps, but uh, yeah, I was able to like flip trip there and catch the bowl in my pocket. You know, fun things like that. I just thought it was very fun to, in, in personal, to see people right across from me and like watching you cook their food and like be very interested. Yeah, that's definitely um, a motivating factor. Um, was there anyone in particular that inspired you to cook, or was it more just like again the the physical experience that led you down this path? It's funny that I, I think about cooking and food. In like in two kind of different ways. Like when I was a kid, I have fond memories memories of it as a kid, uh, just growing up. Um, you know, I would watch uh, the Frugal Gourmet or Yan Can Cook with my father. All you know, every, every week, mm-hmm. all the time as a kid. Uh, in the early afternoons, watch these shows, and um, we watched cooking shows as a kid. My my parents cooked quite a bit actually. My my father. Mostly stuck to Vietnamese food, and my mom, uh, she would cook some Mexican food, but she really tried to show me and my sister, uh, you know, some, a lot of American food. Like she would make meatloaf, and like, we would make like pan pizza, uh, and, and things like that. So there was definitely a lot of that going on as a kid. Um, and I randomly, in when I was like in eighth grade, I think, took one of those tests where you um, fill out a bunch of questions. You know, it's a questionnaire, you fill out a bunch of questions, and then they give you like the 20 jobs that you <laughs> You may, may be interested in doing as an adult. And like Chef was like number like 19. I don't know, you know, a large group. I just kind of like looked at like out of all this list and my eyes kind of gravitated toward those, that a little bit. Um, then I did a report on it. But then 
that was the end. I, I didn't really think anything of it until I got to like what, junior year of high school, uh, senior year of high school, and I was we're working in a restaurant for like a year or two. I was like, hey, maybe I could do something with this, and, uh, and I ended up uh, going to going to culinary school over like being a mechanic. That was another weird fun hobby of mine. But, um, I went to culinary school, and uh, I got it immediately when I enrolled. I got a job uh, in a restaurant, and I was cooking. Uh, seven days a week, actually, from that on point on for like the next like two and a half years uh, between culinary school and working full time. Uh, I think that really uh, <clears throat> that was really good for me. I learned so much. I was like, uh, you know, immersed in cooking and just that was I was in a kitchen just every day working and um, it really it really like really took to me that uh, you know you could kind of have fun at work and and, and create things and uh, just have this like very different energy where so much focus. Uh, I was never a person that could sit down very long in school, so uh, working on my feet is, is really good for me. Yeah, so you've been cooking for um, quite a while then. Uh, you haven't have, stopped yeah. since <laughs> since high school, essentially. No, I haven't. It's been my, uh, <clears throat> I guess it's my calling, if you will, because uh, I've tried to do other things, but cooking has always has always been there for me, and uh, I, I love it. It's a it's a you know, cooking and, and learning about cooking it's it's exciting because it, it's a it's like a lifelong uh path because you're always learning there's always something new to see new ideas that's right um so how did you end up in bushwick brooklyn uh random chance actually uh the story of me taking over for lawn size <laughs> very it's very random in the sense that uh uh, I was not. I was not looking for uh, to do it. I was not looking to open up the restaurant. Actually, uh, the previous owner Henry True uh, reached out to me. Uh, he said, "Hey, have uh, any interest in a uh, in a buying in a buying a restaurant?" Wow! How did you? How did he find you? Uh, we follow each other on Instagram. I never, <laughs> nice. I never. Yeah. The biggest connector. Yeah. Right. It's it's funny because I'm not a big Instagram person but uh I, I followed his restaurant because i i thought it was very different and, and cool and you could tell see his personality and his food right um so when he, he called me and i was like you know i'm actually not really interested in doing this at all this is co- this is uh june of, of 2020 uh right in right in the co- in the middle of covid summer yeah and where were you i was working at blue hill stone barns at the time uh, okay uh and i had a i had a a great job, uh, like an amazing job that I wasn't interested in leaving. I had insurance. Um, you know, I was kind of situated. I was like, all right, you know, this is a, you know, it was outside the city. Uh, so I got to have some, you know, nice fresh air every day. I'm in a good situation right now. I don't think I want to do something crazy, like open a restaurant during the pandemic. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, I met Henry and we talked to, we had a great conversation on the phone. And then, uh, I met him a couple of days later at the restaurant uh, after visiting a couple times and uh, you know getting into nitty gritty, I, I realized like this is a really good deal. Uh, this is a really great situation for for all parties. And if it wasn't for COVID, would I do this? And the answer was yes. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm not uh, I'm not afraid to take chances. And I was like, well, this is a chance I'm willing to take because of this just of the situation uh, of, of meeting Henry and his landlords. Uh, was at my landlord. <clears throat> was very supportive, actually, and made the uh, transition uh, easy for me, uh, which is 
extremely helpful in the time where everyone was uh, going through so much and a lot of landlords were just, you know, uh, you know, just not helping at all with people. So I, I feel very fortunate and lucky that this situation happened. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I mean, I really have to say that I don't know that what I'm doing without be uh, working in another place, in another location, in another neighborhood, because uh, I, feel, I feel like this just happened by chance. Uh, and sometimes that's the best thing that could happen. Uh, people plan and plan and plan, but uh, sometimes the best things just happen. So uh, to me, this situation is really awesome. And, and Henry was really great in making the transition and, uh, into Falonsai 2.0, which is something that we, we kind of refer to ourselves as. Yeah, super cool. And how did Henry uh, choose to reach out to you? Um, was there like a specific motivation he was... Uh, or like philosophy he wanted to see in the next owner? Um, yes, actually. It, it was, I don't think it was not so much of a philosophy as uh, he just saw me cooking, uh, like posting about like Vietnamese food all the time. That's what I would, you know, when I would just uh, make food for myself or uh, food for my wife at home. And he's like, oh, I see you posting a lot about Vietnamese food. Uh, and then uh, he just kind of triggered, kind of really a trigger for him. Uh, you know, because he, he had uh, opened Falonsai um, seven years prior, and uh, prior to prior to the restaurant, he had actually not been in restaurants, so he was a career changer, um, and he had not, you know, had been away from his family a lot, and it was a, it was a win-win for both of us. He, you know, he found a way for him to transition out of the restaurant smoothly uh, and, and move on to a new situation for himself, and then for me to move into something that I'd never... Uh, plan on doing, which is actually opening a restaurant in New York. Yeah, that's an incredible story. And during COVID as well. Yes, and during the 2020 craziness. Yeah. Um, so how do you describe what you cook at Falansai? I kind of consider it to be a family restaurant. And my background, uh, having my family be so mixed, and uh, my wife is actually Chinese. So I, uh, I have this, like, a lot of wiggle room uh, to play with. but. Um, it's pretty, you know, it's very Vietnamese focused uh, and Vietnamese forward. That's most of my inspiration comes from. Uh, I definitely um, dabble with uh, putting some uh, Mexican things in there here and there. You kind of have to kind of hidden. You have to find them. Mm. Can you give an example? <laughs> sure. Like uh, the, the blazing glaze is this dish that we had that was, we still have on that we started during COVID. Uh, the takeout only. And it's a, uh, it's just a thinly sliced pork shoulder that's marinated uh, in honey and fish sauce and, uh, and lemongrass. It's a, it's a take on this uh, really awesome uh, pork chop dish. Uh, and uh, if I pretty butcher that pretty well, but it's, uh, uh, you know, basically like a, a sticky, sweet pork chop. And this is just a thin version of it. And then we serve it with salsa berry. And there's a pickled pineapple in, there in, the, in the pickle mix. So there's just, you know, it's, uh, it makes sense because it's pickles and, and uh, it's, you know, just a little bit different because, it, you know, it's, there's salsa very in there. But there's, there's a lot of ingredients uh, that Vietnamese people and Mexican people just use. It's, it's pretty funny, like banana leaves, for example, and chilies um, and a lot of fresh vegetables. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm learning and I'm learning myself. Uh, what I'm, you know, about what I'm really trying to do, which is like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, exploring, I explore Vietnamese food and Vietnamese culture, 
through my cooking because uh, I, I didn't learn this growing up. You know, I ate a lot of Vietnamese food. Uh, my, my father and my aunts uh, you know, cooked some really amazing food. Uh, but I didn't, you know, no one ever taught me how to cook Vietnamese You know, I learned how to cook uh, just like most other people, either through culinary school or through just trial and error learning. And uh, for me, my goal was to do well in the traditional path so that I could eventually one day cook the food that I wanted to cook, which is, uh, you know, food of my family. Because to me, uh, you know, again, like I mentioned, uh, I'm exploring myself and my cultures through through learning how to cook this food and, and researching fry and trying to replicate and or just like make my own uh, things that I ate in the past or seen in the past. So uh, to me, that's a lot of fun. And it's also, it takes time. You know? There's so many things I want to do. Uh, you know, it's just one step at a time. I love that. You're on your dream, basically, on your path to <laughs> accomplishing, you know, your, your mission. Yeah, it's not a mission as much as just a, just like a, you know, just a, something that I never, uh, I didn't know really how I was going to get there. So, you know, what I mean is that by that is, uh, you know, when you go to culinary school and then you go on to try to become, uh, you know, a, you know, a chef or you know, anyone in the hospitality industry, like you have this, this a traditional path of, of like, you know, moving into, uh, after culinary school, you know, you get, you get externship and you go to a restaurant, it could be a fine dining uh, restaurant, it could be a corporate situation, it could be a hotel, it could be, uh, you know, club, resort, just so many different paths you could take. And none of those, uh, you know, especially when I, when I was going to school, like let it led to me cooking Vietnamese food. You know, mm-hmm. like I, that just wasn't a thing, you know, like, right. so it was about like uh, being good at something and, you know, and getting to a point where you could, uh, you know, make your own food and make, uh, you know, make your own, uh, your own menus and you know, maybe have your own restaurant. Uh, but to me, like, yeah, that, that was like, a, when am I going to get to do this? When am I going to get to, you know, actually cook this food that I've been like making at home for myself for many, many years? So, uh, and here it is, you know, and it's just like that without, you know, never last year, I would never have uh, dreamed that I'm doing it now, but uh, here we are, you know, a year later and, uh, you know, I'm in sitting in this restaurant that I literally 12 months ago stepped in for the first time. Yeah, that's, that's an incredible story. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Feast Meets West. HRN is excited to unveil the new look of Food Radio. We have a new brand identity and a new website. Our site makes it easier than ever to discover new podcasts and dig through our archive of 15,000 episodes. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. It's been 12 years since HRN started broadcasting Food Radio, and we've made it this far thanks to the support of our global listening community. It's because of member donations that Feast Meets West is on the air, along with 40 other weekly shows. Your contributions gave HRN the security we needed to stay on the airwaves during the pandemic and now allowing us to reopen our studio. If you enjoy this podcast, the best way to show your support is to become a member of HRN. And when you do, you'll get access to our very special secret menu. 
we have gathered exclusive discounts and offers from some of our favorite food and beverage brands. Enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors. Special deals will come your way throughout the summer. A gift of $5 or $10 a month gives our community the stability it needs to keep the voice of America's food movement alive and thriving. At HRN, we're investing in the future of food radio. To do the same, become a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Welcome back. We're chatting with Chef Eric from Falansai. Um, so Eric, I read on your website that you guys are butcher, uh, butchering and uh, purchasing your animals whole, right? Yes, we are. And not not to uh, the extent that I would like, but um, the majority certainly is. And that's actually what um, has helped me get a little more uh, clarity in my menu because when you have less options... Uh, there's um, a little more focus. So uh, we don't have a walk-in in the in Falon side. We just have uh, reach-in refrigerators and low-boy refrigerators. So uh, that space is super limited. And I was pretty ambitious to think of uh, you know what I could get in there in the beginning. Uh, I could get a whole pig in there, but then I couldn't fit much else in one of my fridges. You know, so um, well, some of the things I've had to do is like you know I started with mostly uh, mostly poultry in, uh, in the beginning. So it was just ducks and chickens. Um, on the first like renditions of the menu or the takeout menu and stuff, um, I bought you know a few extra things. I would have to you know I would get some ground pork and um, some things from our uh, our butcher. But other than that, um, you know I've had to be kind of uh, get creative and be selective because I, I this is the approach I want to take. So you know we're using whole chickens, we're using whole ducks, uh, we're using whole fish. Uh, I'm getting uh, parts of lambs and parts of uh, of pigs right now. Um, I'm not really using beef at the moment. I'm looking I'm pretty soon. Actually, we're going to start using beef, but I haven't had beef on the menu uh, since it's opened really. And that's kind of a strategy that I've taken because of, uh, of cost and pricing and space and uh, just the things I want to serve here. Uh, I have the, because it's a small restaurant, uh, I have the ability to make some choices that I haven't, I haven't been able to make before, which is uh, like, uh, you know, my sourcing of, of the products and, and specifically with the, with the animals, um, you know, we live uh, in, in the tri-state area. We live around so many amazing farms and farmers, and uh, it's people that need support. And uh, you know, they are not only need support, but they are creating, uh, are growing, creating delicious things. And uh, you know, I'm trying to highlight that here at Flonside. Um It's pretty exciting. Yeah, and what about all the other non-meat-related? ingredients and produce do you source all of those locally as well uh not again not to the entirety of the menu but um yes very much so uh with the uh you know the availability of uh, the farmers markets uh and some really great programs of uh uh you know logistics basically logistics like veritas farms is an example of a, of a company that's uh, trying to get uh, farms from the Hudson Valley together so they can get their product out to the city uh, because logistics uh, is not something that farmers typically do. So uh, it's, it's, it's a little more of a challenge and working with some of these 
programs uh, now. It's pretty exciting. Um, there's another program that I'm starting to work with. Uh, it's called Happy Valley Meats, and uh, they work with uh, some farmers in, in Pennsylvania, uh, and they help get their product out to chefs and uh, people out here in the city. So these challenges of, of logistics, I, I see to be the uh, one of the reasons why most people, you know, tend to not always go for it because they can't, you know, even if they want to, it's right. hard to get, they can't get it. So uh, that challenge is, uh, you know, being met by some people. And I think it's pretty cool to, to keep finding, finding those people that are out there that are uh, trying to, uh, you know, help farmers and help, help chefs get their, you know, get their product in the city that they really want to have. I mean, the Hudson Valley, you know, things in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Vermont. I mean, there's so much great stuff around here. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a great direction to go in. Yeah. So it's kind of go back to uh, some other ways I get produce. Uh, I go to the farmer's markets. Uh, I live in Queens and I go to the uh, uh, Sunnyside Farmer's Market on Saturdays and uh, Jackson Heights Farmer's Market on Sundays. I also go to Union Square, uh, usually typically on Wednesdays, Fridays, and, and or Saturdays as well. Um, we're our, our, Luckily, the Talonsa is right off the L train, and uh, we can just pop right in and get to Union Square very quickly in the mornings and uh, get produce back sometimes with a little cart. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's all available. It's all here. And again, being a smaller restaurant, it's nice to be able to have the majority of my things come from um, local places and you know, supporting these farmers. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the most popular dishes you've served so far? Well, this blazing glazed dish seems to be very popular. I mean, grilled pork uh, has fried egg, lots of pickles, and, and, uh, and a spicy uh, like fish sauce. Uh, <clears throat> pretty good. It's pretty neutral for almost everyone, so that's been selling really well. Uh, my uh, the egg rolls, which we call Dad's egg rolls on the menu, are uh, probably the most one of the most things uh, we've sold so far. Um, Dad's egg roll, it's cool because, I mean, these are literally my dad's egg rolls. <laughs> I used to, you know, make, make him, or I actually used to just peel the skins. That was my job Saturday mornings, and he would roll them because I couldn't do it as well as him back then. Uh, but dad's egg roll sells very well. Um, and then I would say uh, I'm pretty excited about the uh, the the curries. Uh, the green curry, uh, you know, I challenged myself to make some really delicious vegan uh, option, and uh, it's one of the best things on the menu right now. I think it's really great. And that's, that always, I think one of the things that's really great about it is that it's always featuring market vegetables and, uh, through the winter. And, right. You can adapt it throughout the year. Yeah. They change, but, uh, you know, the base is really great. And it's more of a traditional coconut milk based curry. Um, and then the other curry that we have is a, is a seafood, a red seafood curry that we use, uh, we make peanut milk. So instead of coconut milk, uh, it's a peanut milk based curry, which may, uh, it's pretty cool. It gives it a like, nice nutty flavor. And, uh, it's just, you know, something different. And it's made with like lobster bodies and, and uh, liquid for like uh, cooking mussels and clams and shrimp shells. And it's, you know, it's super rich and, and very, you know, very oceanic, if you will. Um, that's pretty great. And we've done a few different renditions of that, but that base is super awesome. Right now we're doing it with the whole fish in the restaurant. You can get it fried or steamed, which is pretty fun. Uh, but that, that red curry is uh, probably one of the things I'm most happy with, I would say, so far. Awesome. You've got the full spectrum there, um, from vegan dishes to, like, full seafood and, and meat options. That's great. 
Um, so I know you started with uh, takeout due to COVID, um, but uh, are things changing now that the city is, um, you know, opening up? Uh, they have changed. It's, it's certainly slowed down since, uh, you know, we were in right in the middle of COVID to now where everyone is uh, going out a lot and things are opening back up. But uh, it's, it's slowed down. But I think what's kind of cool about that for me is um, what I've tried to do is have certain things available only for takeout. That gives things, uh, I guess, people a chance to, you know, try the menu and, and try things that, uh, you know, make, what's, you know, make it a little special. It's a little incentive for them to, you know, try something different. Uh, what is that? That's like a pho. So we're not a noodle shop, and I don't have a lot of space, but we do have a, a like a grilled chicken pho uh, that's on the uh, takeout menu only. Like you can only get it to go. So um, to me, it's really great. It travels really well. It's great the next day. So I don't have a lot of space, so I can make a little bit each day. So I, I think it's great to reward people that are doing takeout, you know, with something really awesome like that. Um, but then I can, you know, I can. My plan is to just have different offerings for takeout uh, and give people a chance to try Flonsai in, in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, takeout and delivery one day. Maybe one day you're going to come in and have some, uh, you know, dinner with friends. Uh, uh, maybe, you know, you go to the backyard and get a, you know, a large table and have a birthday there one day. But, uh, I try, I'm trying to create a different, like, different settings for people to come, like, to have an opportunity to come uh, try us out. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so far I think people are taking to it. It's fun to see. Uh, and are you excited to finally have diners in person at the restaurant? Oh, it's very exciting. It's, <laughs> it's super fun to see people's reactions. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know. I That's why you cook, it's, right? It's very I mean. rewarding. <laughs> yeah, it's right. You, you see, you know, they have, they say the chefs have, a, you know, short-term gratification traits. And, you know, when you to come up with an idea to making it, to watching it go out, to seeing someone eating it, uh, you know, it's a really great feeling. Eating is very personal to me. Dining and eating is very personal. Uh, that's why when you come to the restaurant, it kind of looks like, feels like an apartment. Uh, because that's one of my favorite things to do is to have people over for dinner. Uh, my wife and I love to have people over and just you know, hang out and have some drinks and eat and listen to music. And it's kind of what Flonsai is. And, uh, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more fun to, see people and serve people uh, than it is to just put food in a box. I would say that's for sure. Yeah. And it sounds like you're um, operating both sides of the business. Um, so you'll, you'll be able to experience moving like takeout forward as well as expanding um, your experience dining indoors. Um, that's really great to hear. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's been a, it's been a journey and uh, I'm very excited to, see where to see where it goes and what's it like running your own restaurant for the first time oh it's uh, you know it has its, it has its it has moments um you know there's a, such a difference being a, a business owner and uh, having that responsibility uh for your employees and your staff and i, I think it's uh, uh so far been really uh enlightening to for me because i have i'm organizing in a very particular way in the kitchen and, uh, you know, I have to be uh, organized in a different way when I'm you know, dealing with, uh, you know, the business side and um, thinking about, uh, you know, I have to think short-term and long-term all the time and macro and micro all the time uh, and make sure what, you know, the, the options that we're you know, thinking about and the, the direction that we take and the choices we make, uh, you know, 
they're the right decision for you know for the business there because there's you know people here that we're employing and um, there's a you know there's a lot a lot at stake when it comes to uh, being a business owner as opposed to just being a chef you know so it's I, I I'm I'm definitely embracing it and I'm, I'm enjoying it and, uh, you know, I'm happy to have the opportunity. Um, so of course you're super busy these days running um, your new operation. Um, what do you do on your days off? Yeah, usually having people over for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that, that's definitely something we uh, I like to do. You know, my wife and I. That's one. Our, you know, we have two days off. One day with each other, and sometimes you know, most of those time that day off we have together, we plan on having a nice meal, whether it's at home or uh, you know, occasionally going out to eat somewhere else. But usually we'll have uh, we'll go to people's houses and uh, um, you know potluck, you know, bring some things and, and have, have a nice dinner. That's something uh, we enjoy. Uh, I also, I particularly enjoy uh, riding my bike a lot and I have a dog, so we're constantly doing fun activities on days off, dog park, long walks. Um, and then I'm also just stopping by Falon site and fixing things. <laughs> That's right. That sounds great. Um, your whole life has been oriented around food. So of course, like when you're working and also just having fun it's still food oriented it is Um, it sounds like a very delicious life it can be it's just where the riding riding my bike helps out with that (laughs) and that's it for our show thank you dear listeners for tuning in we truly appreciate your support and it would mean so much if you could leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts We'll be back in a couple weeks with another conversation from the world of Asian food. Feast Meets West is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.